Welcome to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, where we talk about modern challenges and future solutions. Brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. Hello, and welcome to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, where we talk about modern challenges and future solutions. Brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. I'm your host, Justin Honoré, and today we are talking about what telehealth would look like reimagined in a smart hospital. And to do that, I'm joined by Ed Buffone, the Global Director of Sales for Health and Life Sciences at Intel. Ed, how are we doing today? I'm great, Justin. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I'm glad to hear that as well, Ed. So telehealth is something that has really kind of kicked off during the pandemic. Obviously, it's been around for a minute, even before the pandemic, but we really got that momentum during it. But as hospitals start to implement smart technology, how can telehealth fit and be prioritized in that new environment? You know, Justin, so as you mentioned, telehealth has been around, you know, for many, many years. It's an area that we've been focused on at Intel since long before the pandemic and trying to really drive it forward as a standard of care in a world that is getting a more distributed environment in terms of distributed care, where care is given at the hospital, but it's also given at many other points you know, throughout the ecosystem and the care delivery system. So it's really been around for a while. However, the pandemic, you know, what we, we like to say is, you know, things began to move at pandemic speed. And the pandemic really accelerated, you know, the acceptance of telehealth and the need for telehealth. You know, with the advent of uh, restrictions and, and limited travel and limited availability and all the things that were being dealt with in the medical system, you know, our healthcare system was pretty strained. And so the need to find a way to communicate and consult with patients and consult with other medical professionals really took shape. And therefore, the byproduct was the rapid advancement of the acceptance of telehealth. You know, uh, in 2020, there were over 1 billion virtual visits made globally. I can't tell you the number that, that increased from but I assure you, it was nowhere near near 1 billion virtual visits. So, so telehealth really did rapidly become a standard of care. And really, the pandemic, I would say, just accelerated. And at, at that point, it became very widely accepted as a method to, to both communicate, treat, and provide you know, sort of acute as well as chronic care, especially chronic care with people with conditions like diabetes that, you know, really require ongoing monitoring, really became the way to do it and the way the standard of care for those folks. You know, it's a way that hospitals had to address things like, you know, convenience, if you will, for both the patient and the clinician when they were both being restricted from travel and access to people, some of those things. So, yeah, it it was really it was really a, a big effort that was put forth on the part of the entire healthcare system. And you talk about that acceleration and with that acceleration, the timeline gets kind of adjusted. So where are smart hospitals lacking when it comes to implementing telehealth? What they really lack is is an organized sort of enterprise-wide approach. You know, the, it's not that they're, they're lacking in any one area. They're just lacking in this sort of holistic approach to telehealth. Because what you're finding is that um, in, in many hospitals, there are departmental deployments of telehealth that are being used. You know, cardiac care may have a deployment or a utilization of a particular telehealth uh, platform. And, and pediatric care may have a different application that they're using to follow up with patients. And 
you know, and so on and so forth. As you go through the verticals within the hospital, they may have different areas. So I think I think the only thing sort of lacking is this sort of cohesive approach to telehealth from an enterprise-wide level. As as the hospital systems sort of deal with this ongoing demand for telehealth, because it's been accepted as a standard of care on the part of the clinicians now, um, it's also been accepted as a standard of care on the part of the patient. So patients are expecting that telehealth to be part of their 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 care program. However, I think I think the only thing lacking is sort of this, as I would say, this holistic or or enterprise-wide approach to telehealth and scheduling and technology and requirements and all of those things to make it seamless so that doctors, uh, you know, as they're as they're engaging in a telehealth, say visit, if you will, or a telehealth consult, that the technology doesn't become a factor. It's just very seamless. And just like they see a patient in the office, they see a patient remotely, it, the medium doesn't become a factor in terms of how they do that. And is it just the medium that's kind of causing some of these factors? Like how how else can the two sides be more cohesive? Yeah, I think it's I think it's just a function of making sure that, you know, as a doctor might move from one you know, one area of specialty to another area that that the platforms are consistent and that, you know, the way they get to the patient is sort of, you know, as I would say, seamless. Okay. It's, it's really has to be, it can't be a function of, well, I have to have someone else do something before I call you or someone has to call you in advance and cue you in. I mean, it should be really much, very much like visiting the doctor's office. I, I connect in, I dial in, I'm in a queue. It's my time. I see I see my doctor, my doctor's visit is over, I'm exited out and I'm given any follow-up instructions. Right. So let's let's actually talk a little bit about some of those technologies being used. How is AI, analytics, and 5G networks being implemented and how are they helping elevate patient care and how can we make it more effective? AI is one of the key, the key elements that makes hospitals become smart hospitals, right? Healthcare is an industry that's rich in data, right? One third of the world's data is healthcare data. So there's a, an enormous amount of data to kind of build on to get additional insights into a patient's condition, diagnose, and potential treatment. And so really, you know, utilizing AI really helps take advantage of all of that data, whether it's in terms of diagnosis, early indications, or even treatment plans. So how do I find you know, the person that has the same sort of diagnostic makeup of someone somewhere else in the population and how are they treated and how are they successfully treated. And so AI helps sort of create those those possibilities, if you will. And it helps the, it helps give the providing clinician a little bit more insight. You know, it's always the clinician that's making the decision. It's always the clinician that's that's giving the treatment. You know, as you know, AI is artificial intelligence. As it relates to healthcare, I call it assisted intelligence because it's really nothing artificial. The clinician is making the the intelligent decision for the patient on how to care and how to treat the patient. But all we're trying to do is give them assistance with vast amounts of memory and compute capability to help look through massive amounts of data and find similarities and help give, you know, sort of common treatments and or potential that may lead to potential better outcomes. 
So AI is an important is an important tool for all those places. You talked about analytics and, and 5G as well. You know, analytics is, has always been a key part of healthcare. Again, analyzing that that core the core data set that we have in healthcare that exists, you know, on basically you know what we call population health data, and so the the ability for us to help provide analysis on sort of commonalities that might run across the population to really give more insights and in how to care for are really you know sort of an adjacency to AI, right? So we have we have a lot of analytics that occur in healthcare with regard to, you know, how do you know which patients might have a higher propensity to have a problem or have a bad reaction or other things that might occur in their in their care program. Analytics are really a key tool in all of that. And 5G, of course, is an extension on, you know, on the network capability or, if you will, on the communications capability and the ability to kind of reach the patient and also follow the patient through their journey. You know, whether, whether the patient's sort of entering the hospital or entering any sort of a facility, and how do you follow that patient through that journey in the building and out of the building? It's sort of, again, you know, I used the word before, making it seamless. The technology can make this whole process more and more seamless, and that's really what we're trying to do at Intel, is to make the experience of being cared for as seamless as possible and not make the technology a barrier, but make the technology an assistant to the whole process. Now, obviously all this technology is well and good, but if it's not being used, it's not really going to benefit everybody. So what are some of the biggest struggles in implementing these new technologies? Is it because of staffing issues that we've seen all throughout the pandemic, like people just not being able to get used to this new technology? Is it just the technology as a whole? Is it just not being accepted? What What are some of the biggest struggles when it comes to implementing all those things that we just talked about? Well, it's probably no different than it ever was in terms of struggles, right? Those struggles are are financial and struggles are staffing and struggles are sort of, as I mentioned earlier, sort of lack of organization, if you will. And, you know, and maybe some of that's related to resources in terms of how they're applied. But it's really, it really comes down to those things. I mean, there are certainly financial issues that are always sort of present, if you will, in the healthcare system that make the some of these things challenging for some hospital systems I, I think we find that the smaller you know sort of you know i would call regional or smaller systems are are a little more challenged than the larger ones in terms of implementing new technologies again a lot of that has to do with both financial and human resource issues right how do you get the people to focus on the technology and how to get the people to kind of you know integrate acquire integrate and deploy and manage that technology. And in, in other cases, you know, it's that whole issue of things being siloed where, you know, one organization may have the resources and another may not. So you have you have different levels of, of sort of completeness, if you will, in providing those services. You know, orthopedic care may have a complete solution, but the cardiac care may not or vice versa, may, you know, whatever it may be. But but it really is more of the sort of the organizational impact of resources that you have, maybe not evenly spread throughout, and certainly the overall available resources. You know, the number one concern of most tall hospital CEOs right now is staffing. And of course, you know, certainly we think of the clinical staffing as well as nursing and clinical care, but it's also it's also the administrative and technology staffing 
that becomes an issue in this environment. So, so all of that, you know, kind of creates uh, a series of issues that really sort of present the challenges, if you will, that help make it more of a struggle for some than others. What do you think is sort of the medicine to those problems? I mean, a lot of those could just be solved with time as maybe the technology gets more integrated and it's more cohesive across all approaches. Like you drew that analogy of one department may have this type of technology, but the other one doesn't. And then you also talked about pricing, maybe as technology gets more integrated in the society, that pricing will become more affordable. Is it just time or what's the next, what's another solution that could help solve a lot of these issues? It's not necessarily pricing. It's just the overall financial commitment, I think, to it is really the, the barrier to some. But I think it's, it's really maturity, right? Maturity of the technology and the maturity of, of processes that are built. And, and, and so that, you know, as, as these technologies, whether you're talking about telehealth and you're talking about uh, AI or whatever it might be, as these technologies become more accepted as part of the standard care of treatment and integrated into the workflow, I think that begins to help that take shape. And, and of course, along with that, you know, over time, you know, sort of the overall financial lift of some of these things become less of a burden for many because they're integrated into the overall workflow and become easier to accept. At that point, you know, everyone has a clear understanding of the return of investment on the technology. In every one of those cases, right, those technologies provide for for lower cost, more efficiency, and better patient satisfaction. And ultimately, that's what we're after here is, you know, it's all about the patient journey and the patient satisfaction and the patient safety. And as you address those things, you know, if you can do those while at the same time you're lowering costs uh, and providing more operational impact on the organization, I think it's you're going to see those you're going to see some of those barriers go away. And you talked about patients just getting those types of options, getting more options. And obviously the pandemic has helped that when it comes to telehealth. But where do you think telehealth has transformed the most throughout this entire pandemic? And how can the evolving world of technology that we talked about, it just, as it gets integrated, as it becomes more common, how can it help accelerate this transformation? There's a lot of pieces to telehealth that exist in, in, in sort of the overall healthcare ecosystem, right? We talked about virtual visits as one where, you know, that's a common one where you and I might think of, well, we're having a visit with our doctor, but there's also telediagnostics, right? There's an, it's an area of telehealth where, you know, a technician, not necessarily a doctor, might set up in a mobile environment at a, at a long-term care facility or a recovery facility to do some diagnostic with a series of patients that might be there. And there's a doctor remotely, right? Kind of sort of on the other end of the line, understanding if there's a condition that has to be treated. So there's telediagnostics, there's virtual visits, there's remote patient monitoring, there's teleconsultation, and, and as well as visual observation, right? Some patients just have to be observed, right? For things like fall detection or things like that. So there's a lot of pieces of telehealth, if you will, that are part of the overall ecosystem. So, you know, you asked about the one that had the most impact, if you will. You know, the, I would say the the virtual visit and the remote patient monitoring, the ones that really came out, you know, sort of through the pandemic as the as the one that had the most impact or have have received the most impact from these technologies, just because they 
they really provided a vehicle for the continuum of care and for access to clinicians at a time when access probably wasn't top of mind for many people. And because remember now, the healthcare system as a whole was under siege, right, by this by this terrible virus that was really, you know, taking shape and, and draining the resources of every hospital in the country. So at that time, there had to be an alternative way to reach patients that were were needing to recover from other conditions or needed to be treated for their chronic conditions. So I think virtual visit and, and remote monitoring probably came out the to be sort of the clear the clear front runners in terms of what areas had the most impact. As we move on in the future, when the pandemic isn't causing so many stresses on the overall health society and health economy, do you think that being able to make this more common, be kind of that hybrid approach that is going to help give more access to people to healthcare when it comes to that, just because it's we're able to open up new avenues for people. They don't have to physically come to the doctor's office anymore. It's more common now to do that telehealth visit, do that virtual visit, and almost get those same questions and get that same care that you would get in, a, in an office. So do you think that kind of going through the ringer and really exercising those muscles these past couple of years is going to help us in the future when it comes to accessibility? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, we. I think this will be a standard of care that will live, live long beyond the pandemic. Um, it may not live long at the same levels as during the pandemic, um, which is understandable, because really nothing, nothing can replace you know sort of that face-to-face -face, you know sort of doctor visit, if you will, doctor-patient interaction. But I think it will because of the acceptance that's that's been garnered over the time here. I think it becomes part of the standard care treatment. I, I know personally it has for me. I, I know folks within my family and my extended family see it, you know, as a as a way of accomplishing certain things kind of on a regular basis with sort of the healthcare system or their interaction with the healthcare system. I think it will continue to get better. I think tools that are available will continue to increase to make it a better experience for both the patient and the clinician. Right, you know, information that's available to the clinician, you know, in terms of you know near real time information from the patient, will get better. And the ability to to remotely do some level of diagnosis will continue to improve as time goes on. So, I think it gets better. It helps efficiency. If you strip away the pandemic, we still have a couple of major issues in the healthcare system. Right, we have an aging population, which equates to needing more care. And we have a shortage of clinicians, which equates to more strain on the clinician load because of the aging population. So if you can kind of help put some technologies in place to sort of start to reduce some of the stresses, and those are two big stress points in the system that will continue to get more and more impactful by utilizing telehealth and, and the whole idea of these smart environments to make the process more efficient, more operationally thorough and more clinically thorough, I think it, it's better for both both sides. And I think, it, again, it results in higher levels of patient safety and better patient satisfaction. All great insights, great answers to all these questions, Ed. How can people reach out to you if they have any more questions, especially with how telehealth is going to continue to grow? How can they get in touch with you? 
Yeah, you know, they uh, we have a complete website at Intel on our on our smart uh, smart hospital technology and outlines all of our telehealth uh, technology programs. So right on that page, you can click through to a link to be contacted by one of my folks, or you can send me an email at ed, edward.buffone at intel.com, and I'll be happy to get back to you. Ed, it's nice talking to you. Great time on this episode. And thank you for everyone for tuning in to this episode of Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts to get more content from the Intel Internet of Things Group.